Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, it is the first full week of Pride, and we are continuing our Pride coverage here on Woke AF all month long, bringing you really important conversations on the issues that are facing the LGBTQ plus community, as well as, you know, how we're staying joyful at a time of so many, so many horrendous attacks. And today, I'm really excited to bring a conversation um, more local, right? We have a lot of headline national conversations on Woke AF. And every once in a while, I really want to bring in a community perspective, a localized perspective on what we're facing, right? And the reality is, I brought in two guests today, Peter Iacobelli, and Steve Arrington, uh, both of whom head up respective prides in their states. Peter is the executive director of Out Montclair in Montclair, New Jersey. And Steve Arrington is the head of Black Pride, as well as the executive director of the Bayard Rustin LGBTQ Center in Akron, Ohio. And just being able to speak with both of these men about the work that they are doing and about the issues, you know, that they are facing from funding to recognition to how to stay hopeful to how to continue to intertwine education and, you know, an understanding both within the LGBTQ community, how we understand ourselves during this month of pride, but all year long. And really understanding the history of how we got to a place where we were having pride in the first place and to continue to intertwine both our present day reality with our ancestors that helped to get us to this place. 
So that conversation is a really good one, and I hope that you all enjoy it. But before uh, we head there, you know, I do want to say this with regard to just, you know, the news of all of these Republicans, you know, announcing their presidency and Nikki Haley, you know, using her time with the failing network CNN in her presidential town hall to attack the transgender community, particularly to attack trans girls. There is no moderate within that bunch. They are telling you exactly who they are, exactly what they stand for. And when you have someone like Nikki Haley use a mainstream media outlet to spread outright lies that increase violence towards the most marginalized among us, I don't know how the fucking mainstream media gets away with referring to her as moderate. She is not. She is a liar and she is just as hateful as Donald Trump just because what? She wears uh, traditional feminine clothing and wears makeup. We think that, what, she's not as vile and disgusting? I mean, thankfully, you know, what Nikki Haley is really doing, like many of the people that are in the field right now, is auditioning for Donald Trump, who remains the heavyweight frontrunner right now. But when you look at even who is in second place, which is Ron DeSantis, and the hateful measures and policies and climate that he is enacting in Florida, you have to think to yourself, is this what we want nationalized? Do we want to mainstream homophobia and transphobia, misogyny, racism, right, in our country? Is that what we want? We want to go back to the days where these people who were forced out onto the margins for their racism, for their Islamophobia, for their homophobia and transphobia are now just credited with being, you know, just having differing opinions? I don't fucking think so. And so I think that it's important as, you know, we are watching the mainstream media make the same mistakes that they made in 2015, make them all over again, because it's quote unquote good for ratings, or as CNN is trying to do just both sides, everyone to fucking death. It's really important to recognize what is happening. And it is to normalize hate, right? To say, oh, you're okay. It's it's fine. You know, you don't know a trans person. So let me tell you about this boogie person that I'm trying to create. Let me make up a story and create this monster. And then have you, you know, rely on the fact that I can just spread lies because we refuse to actually leave our communities and get to know each other and the person down the street, which makes it so easy, right, for the right wing to be able to spread the kind of bullshit that they do. So it is really important that we go back to community, that we stop looking so far outside of ourselves for the solutions to the problems that we're facing. And I think that this conversation today with both Steve and Peter and the localization of pride and local solutions and community solutions is exactly where we need to be. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends, we're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? 
Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily. Uh, For the very first time, we're doing uh, a duo uh, for our interview today during the month of Pride. Uh, I'm excited to welcome the executive director of the Bayard Rustin LGBTQ Center, Steve Arrington, uh, as well as the executive director of Out Montclair and Montclair Pride, Peter Yacobellis. Um, Thank you to the both of you to making the time to join Woke AF. Um, and I'll start um, and I'll direct the first question uh, to you, Steve. Um, what does pride mean to you uh, this month of June, um, but also under kind of the cloud of attacks uh, that the LGBTQ community uh, has been facing over the last year? Thank you for that question. And uh, it's a good question. Uh, pride means to me something totally different, I think, than what it does to the mainstream white gay pride community. Uh, being an African-American openly gay man, it's always been a struggle. And so we have never been involved or 100% embraced by white gay prides. So when we decide to do African-American black family pride, we're bringing in our culture. We're bringing in things that make us prideful. Uh, mostly black gay men and lesbian women are in the church choirs. We bring it in our food. We're bringing in our house, our ball dances. It's more of a cultural event for us than just a party in the park or a party on the street. We celebrate our struggles that we have as black gay, LGBTQ plus people. We celebrate the, the good times, the bad times. We celebrate our ancestors and we celebrate the term, one of the principles of Kwanzaa, Kagachikalia, which is uh, self-determination. So my pride that I'm celebrating this year is the self-determination to move forward. And in doing that, 
And during that self-determination, we take an assessment of what is needed in our community. What are the struggles? What are some barriers that we can address in our pride? For the last seven years, we've always gave scholarships away. And we saw this year to be $10,000 in scholarships so far that we've gave away to some people in our community that are trying to struggle to go to college. That's a pride event. And we just don't have one event. We do three major events across the sections. We're going to have a House Machiavelli, a ball night. We're going to have our scholarship luncheon. Uh, and we got our Stone Soul picnic in the park. And it brings together different genres of people across our community. Wonderful, Steve. Thank you so much. And Peter, similar question to you um, with being the executive director of Out Montclair. You know, what does pride mean to you, um, particularly during this, obviously, what is often a celebratory month of June, but again, under this cloud of consistent attacks uh, that we've seen against the community um, across the country? Yeah, so it ebbs and flows, you know, like at some points in my journey, I've been, you know, rioting for pride and advocating and rallying and other points celebratory. We've had a lot of change over the last two decades. Um, and unfortunately, we're in one of these cycles now where, you know, certain elements in our country are deciding to circle around and come on the attack again and try and strip us of rights and try, try and erase us from curriculum and library books and all of that. Um, and it's really quite scary because I think the people who are doing it know better and they're doing it anyway and they're doing it to divide. So pride for me this year is about being a contrast and setting up something like Montclair Pride is about contrasting places all over the country that are marginalizing and targeting people for discrimination. And we want to be the anecdote for, for that. We want people to be welcome here, to be themselves. Our tagline is be you, be heard. We are a family-friendly event. We are a majority people of color event. We are really, really proud of what we've been able to create here in Montclair and like to serve as a contrast related to what's going on in so many other places around the world. You know, the the thing that I think is most important, you know, for those people that actually are outside of the LGBTQ community, you know, they have often seen Pride as, you know, an event with glitter and floats and music um and don't really understand necessarily the the origins of pride pride being as peter you alluded to um initially a riot right in 1969 um outside of stonewall uh in in new york uh where i am located and the importance of the lgbtq community led by uh black trans women at that time uh pushing back against police brutality pushing back against um, you know, the forces that sought to oppress them. And so can the both of you speak to, and, and Peter, I'll start with you with this one, you know, why the his understanding the history of pride is important and how you work to interweave that uh, uh, with joy and celebration in your locality? Well, for me, you know, the symbol and the flag has obviously evolved over the years but the pride flag was a literal signal for safety, um, especially when I was younger. Finding the place in New York City that had the flag meant that I could be who I was and I would be safe there. Mm. And that's really the space that I think a lot of us try to create with our festivals and our events. 
is this is a place where you can come be your authentic self and you will be safe. Um, if you are a cisgender white, you know, straight male in America, you probably never have felt unsafe as a result of your identity. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we see the pushback on prides, people saying, well, why don't we have straight pride? I do try to have a conversation with people around that. I see that as an opportunity because I try to assume positive intent and assume misunderstanding before something more malicious. And often when I do have that conversation with individuals, they don't realize that it is about safety, that it is about overcoming struggle, that it's about overcoming discrimination and marginalization um, that we've all experienced uh, in our lives. And so I think it's so important that we keep things like this going because there are constantly, obviously, new people who are coming out and figuring out who they are. And we need to make sure that they have safe spaces to be themselves. Thank you for that. And and Steve, for you, you know, again, being in in Ohio, being in, you know, the the Midwest region of the of the country, um, for you, what does pride at this at this local level uh, and black pride specifically, you know, mean and, and why is it important to interweave the history right into the context of understanding how pride has evolved over the course of time? It, it is very important to weave the history from which we came. Uh, a lot of the young people that we see at our drop-in center know very little about black gay history. In our facility, we got posters hanging all through the facility of famous people who are African-American that came before us and that were LGBTQ. Audre Lorde, what a story about who she is. And we share that knowledge on an ongoing basis. As we talk about Stonewall, I'm always sharing with our youth that Stonewall was a people of color issue. Stonewall was where we stood up to be accounted for. Stonewall is our beginning and our pride. Well, they go to visit Stonewall now. It's been regenerified to a white, gay, upscale community. But that's our pride. And so our pride is to identify, as Peter said, the struggle and celebrate the struggle. And if we don't acknowledge the struggle that we have, and even still go and have today and educate the young people behind me, they would know nothing about it because it's not taught. Being here in Ohio, being black and gay is more than an ocean. I mean, to, mm. to, to get us to point where we got black gay pride and this is our mm -hmm. seventh year was not embraced at all. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was like, oh, you don't need that. We all together. No, we're not. Because when I tell you about my culture that I need to bring to the table, being part of this pride, you tell me that's not pride. So my, that's my pride. It wasn't your pride. And it wasn't accepted. It wasn't embraced. So now after seven years, they're coming around and say, oh, well, we want to fund you uh, to help you give us some money. And I use this analogy when, when the mainstream pride can raise over $200,000 for a six-hour event, a party in the street for six hours. And we have not even raised over $20,000 for a three-day event, including scholarships, including keynote speakers, including an educational component. And we have never received that kind of money. So it tells you right there that there is a divide because we go out and solicit funds to sponsor our pride just as well as Main Street pride. And we don't get it. We might have an institution that would give us $500 while they gave Main Street pride $5,000. And we mm -hmm. see that and we keep track of that because it lets mm -hmm. us know that our struggle is still, still 
relevant at this time. So when I hear the joy of pride, what is my joy? Right now, my joy is that we're sustaining and we're able to pull off the seventh year. That yeah. is my big joy that we're here. It hasn't folded up. And I'm hoping that when I, you know, I'm not a youngie no more. So I'm hoping when I leave here that someone steps up behind me to say, let's carry this on. We, who's going to do the next exec director be pride? We're trying to create an institution here in the LGBTQ black community, something that they can be proud of. I mean, our drop-in center last year, we had 501 people just drop through here. And these wow. 18, 18 to 24-year-olds, homeless, substance abuse, and a whole lot of mental health issues. So when you see 18-year-old people sleeping on your front porch of your building facility because they have nowhere to go, there's still a struggle. It's still yeah. a struggle. And there's very limited resources for them. So, you know, our our focus and our, our agendas are different. And as you say, as he said, a, a white male or white female don't even know. They don't, yeah. don't even know the burden that we have to carry. So I, I, I always amaze at that word joy. What does joy mean? If I was back in the church, I would say joy, joy deep down in my heart. Oh, yeah, it's in my heart. But what is that joy when I leave that church and have to face the reality of racism as each and every day when I wake up? You know, I go to bed feeling good and I wake up and get back in this work and somebody is out there that is not going to embrace us. So when they talk about the overall attitude of uh, anti-gayness in Ohio and we got a lot, we got four bills going on in Ohio now to, to, against gays. Well, you know, we have those four bills. But I wake up as a black man, and there's anti-blackness every day. So yeah. not just for gay issues, but every day. And I, so I, I do believe that the term joy is more of a mental state of mind that we're existing, mm. that we're alive, and that we're well, and we're celebrating our life. And my young guys who work here, when I told them about the joy pride, they all said today, what joy? <laughs> That's the question they asked me. Yeah. What, what are you talking about joy? Where, what do you mean? Because everybody want to know what's the joy. It's a struggle for us to raise money to put these events on. Uh, it's it's a struggle to maintain yeah. keep our doors open. So you know we didn't raise two hundred thousand dollars in six months for a six hour party. Um, yeah, I I think that that's I mean that's an important differentiation to make, which is you know there has long been an issue around the commercialization of pride. Right, the corporatization of pride in many ways, um, but that money being used to rainbow wash companies who are doing dirt against our communities during, you know, at night, but taking the money uh, by day. Uh, what does it mean to, you know, have uh, these corporations give to the quote unquote mainstream? Uh, organizations while really denying the work um, of of localized organizations that are working with whether it's the Black queer community, the Latinx queer community, um, what have you, I think is a really important distinction to make. I ask about joy because I find, you know, particularly as we see the silencing and the erasure that is happening at a national level, I have a lot of concern for LGBTQ youth. I have a lot of concern and it goes back to, you know, the beginning of the 2000s when you heard, you know, the campaigns around it gets better. 
right? Um, and this idea that, you know, just keep moving, keep pushing, have faith, right? Uh, that each generation's responsibility is to better, you know, is to better uh, society uh, than the way that we found it. And so, Peter, I'll, I'll start with you with this question, which is, you know, what are your both your hopes and your fear for LGBTQ youth at this time? Um, and and what kind of support do you see that they need? Well, I think we're seeing now more comfort with authenticity than ever before. And I think that is what is scaring the right wing to these crazy reactions that we're seeing around the country um, in terms of just targeting youth and their families for discrimination, criminalizing uh, trans health care, banning library books, banning drag shows. I mean, there is a lot of fear um, that's coming up against I think a lot of authenticity. So I do remain hopeful just given everything I'm seeing. I was at a show last night for an artist named Declan McKenna, who I've never heard of before, but who's very popular um, with the young generation. And most of the audience was young queer people uh, of all colors. And, uh, and it was beautiful to see. And I couldn't believe just the way they were dressed and how free they were. And I'd never seen such an assemblance of young people like that outside of a mm. Pride Festival, and this was just a concert. Um, so I have a lot of hope, but at the same time, I'm concerned in places like Florida where you can't even teach anything LGBTQ-related now through 12th grade. I mean, we're not even talking about the Don't Say Gay Bill through third grade that was passed over a year ago. Now we're talking about you can't talk about it through high school? That's scary, right? Luckily streaming content, television, all those yeah. things are still, yeah. you know, but what's next, right? That's my, that's my concern is this kind of censorship and shaming. Um, and if the people pushing it get even more power than they already have, and the consolidation of media assets in the country, uh, you know, with, with media markets being consolidated and papers and television stations and radio stations all being owned by two or three companies yep. is very, very, very concerning to me. Uh, what's the goal there? And I think most alarming is the effort by conservatives to take over school boards um, and affect and change curriculum, because that we're seeing cuts across a lot of issues, mm -hmm. trying to deny the Holocaust, talk about slavery in a completely different context and taking it completely out of context and erasing LGBTQ people. Um, so I'm scared for all oppressed people. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think we just are going through this cycle. Humanity doesn't seem to learn the lesson ever. You can go back 100 years ago and look at the world and the debates and the conversations and the discrimination and targeting that was starting to happen 100 years ago. And here we are again, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's scary. So we all have to have each other's backs too. I think that's the most important thing is that we're looking out for each other. We're trying to understand each other and where we're coming from each other's life experiences and having each other's backs because once they come for one of us, they're coming for the rest of us. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That is a hundred percent true. And Steve, for you, you know, again, um, with regard to the pressures, uh, and the reality that LGBTQ youth are, are up against, you know, how do you think, um, those that are listening, you know, those that are able to attend, uh, you know, and and uh, go to your center in Ohio. What what can people do to be of better allies, to be a better support 
to LGBTQ youth? Uh, you know, that's a good question. But before I talk about what they could do to be a better ally to support, I have to address my youth that come here. Mm -hmm. uh, they lack knowledge. They lack awareness. And we're all, we have a Wednesday dinner here every night. And it's all about some subject on the table. One time we were talking about Rosa Parks. And one of the guys said, well, you know, that wasn't real. That really didn't happen. And I said, it didn't. No, Miss Steve, that didn't happen. And I'm like, well, where, who told you that? Well, I learned that in school. I don't believe none of that kind of stuff. This is an openly gay man telling me that. As we explore things like that, there's a whole lack of knowledge that the, our young people come in here with. Even from voting, register to vote, to get involved, the knowledge level is not there. The identity about who they are in this struggle of being gay during these suppressed times is not there. We have four House bills at State Senate now that is trying to erase us and to get them involved consciously to address those issues and say, let's go to the state capitol with the other people on a charter bus and protest is like, why? Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow. So that there is where I'm focused on. They need to mm -hmm. come and get involved. A lot of them don't even want to come out of the out of to the gay pride because they feel like someone may see them. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, okay. But this is Ohio. Now, we talk about allies. What can our allies do? You know, I work with a lot of cisgendered black folks in this city, and I let them know that our needs are great. I let them know that if you can help us, do that. If you want to sponsor a Wednesday dinner, do that. But I always got to approach them in a way that you can do this. Please help us. They're not lining up at the door, <laughs> even mm. though they know what we're going through, even though they know we've been suppressed and marginalized. They're not lining up at the door. And I'm we're in Ohio at one of these little Bible Belt places. So that has a major impact on how people perceive us. You know, I even had a young yeah. guy tell me a couple weeks ago, well, Mr. Steve, you know, we're going to go to hell. I said, well, I'm not going to hell. You oh, well. But if he has, if they had, right. he's 22 years old, if that's his consciousness, is that his mindset, even though he just said it so easily, it tells you there we have a damaged person in hand. And if we got that one damaged person that has that little mindset, then we have another one and another one. So the first thing we need to do is have our allies rally around to help educate to help mm -hmm. bring awareness about who they are and be proud mm -hmm. about who you are. And I'm constantly preaching that we are somebody. We can make a change and we're doing it. 10 years ago, this yeah. center wasn't even existing here in the city. No one even believed it was going to get off the ground. It might be a small change, but it's a big change over the period of time in the history of people that we impact. And so yeah. I think it's important for us to, uh, uplift them and bring in allies in that can focus on our issues. Be political allies, that they be state representative, federal representatives, and support us as we okay. turn around and support you. Because they do want our votes. Now yeah, a hundred. Our voting block. A hundred percent. Hey, fam. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. 
Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. For those people who would like to get involved, who would like to attend uh, your events, who would like to uh, visit uh, the, the center, uh, Peter, you first, and then Steve, please tell folks um, how they can get connected, how they can follow, and how they can participate. Thank you again, and thanks for having me. Um, I think it's important to mention that my organization does do year-round programming. So we do a big Pride Festival, which is great, and that's once, you know, one day in June. Um, but we do year-round programming for teens, for seniors, for families, for trans individuals. Um, and so we're really proud of that. So they can get information on all of our programs as well as Pride at outmontclair.org, outmontclair.org. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Peter. And Steve? Yes, uh, we as well do all year-round programming. We have a housing program for youth between 18 and 24. Uh, We provide rent assistance. We can provide deposit and two months of rent for them if they're homeless. We also have a transitional house that has four people in it right now, one lesbian and three gay men, and we provide them shelter. They can stay there for six months. We do stabilization program, get them a job, get them in school, get them off the streets. And for us, our pride and our food bank here that we have, our clothing bank here, our HIV testing, our COVID testing that we do here, and our anti-violence group. We have a high number of violence among our community. And so we were funded to do anti-violence and we just got funded 
uh, from Centerlink to do mental health referrals. So we're doing that as well. But to contact with us, you just go to OhioAAC.org, OhioAAC.org, and it pulls up our site. It pulls up all our Instagrams. And I do have some young people here that do the social media thing. As I told them, I know nothing about birth and no baby. So they do that quite well. <laughs> they, they get up and they do all of that. Because uh, it's not a, it, that's not in my genre. I'm 70 years old. So they do that. And uh, and you can reach us through our social media and OhioAAC.org. Okay. Peter and Steve, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. Thank you both for the work that you are doing in your respective states and regions. Um, we really appreciate it. We will make sure, folks, that you are listening, that you'll be able to um, connect in the show notes area um, and the episode description. Thank you, Peter and Steve. Really appreciate you and happy Pride to both of you. Thanks, Danielle. Happy Pride. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Hey, fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.